Forgotten Flicks, episode 73. Friday the 13th, 1980. Steve should never have opened this place again. There's been too much trouble here. Did you know that a young boy drowned the year before those two others were killed? The counselors weren't paying any attention. They were making love while that young boy drowned. His name was Jason. I was working the day that it happened, preparing meals. Here, I was the cook. Jason Welcome to the Forgotten Flicks podcast, where we're talking about the movies you grew up with, and I'm thinking you grew up with the one we're going to be talking about tonight. I am Joel, joined, as always, by... Wait wait a minute. Do you realize what a coup this is, people? Tonight, on our Friday the 13th episode, I have Jason! Say hi to the nice people, Jason! Oh, this is my movie. See, what would have been hilarious is if you had just been dead silent. (laughs) And like I sat here for like 20 minutes. Um, Jason, you there? (laughs) Jason? And then just occasionally I hear like. Yeah. Or or an occasional. (laughs) Yes, of course, we are doing Friday the 13th. Uh And the episode is uh, out. It's two days uh, before Friday the 13th. (laughs) Total quinky dink. We didn't plan that or anything. (laughs) And we are knee deep in it and summer as well. Yeah, in the hoopla. It is summer. I felt this this movie could have gone either way. This could have been part of the second annual October Spooky Flicks Fest, which may or may not be coming up. Hint. In October. In October. (laughs) Yes, yes. So it, it, it may, but it could have gone either way. It could have gone there, or it could have gone where we put it, which obviously you know how that turned out. So we <laughs> decided to make it part of more of a, a summer camp theme. And um, just to, to say this up front, this is always one of my uh, personal faves when I was a young man, getting getting into horror movies and such. I always enjoyed the Friday 13th movies, um, although I did not see this one first, which we'll get into uh, later. So this one actually mm-hmm. uh, significantly later on after having seen other episodes in the series. So, Jason, with that, would you like to hear the trailer, which I will warn everyone in advance, takes about 28 minutes to get started. <laughs> and it may have spoilers in it. Be oh, careful. <laughs> um, so you think we should do the spoiler first? Let's do I think. We should definitely do the spoiler. Okay, first. yeah, because from here on out, people were spoiling the hell out of this mother. We so, are, yeah. So we're here killing goes. it. Here it goes. Be prepared. Hello, I'm JV. 
You may know me from such podcasts as JV Mail, About 12 Minutes, and the video game Journey Down Chapter 1. The following segment of Forgotten Flicks will contain information so pertinent to the film that, if you have not yet seen it, may ruin your viewing experience. So if you plan to see this film, please consider resuming the episode only after you've viewed the film, which you can find at your local video rental store. We now return you to Forgotten Flicks, already in progress. (laughs) Okay. My favorite of all time, yeah. easily. <laughs> well, and the best part is he has. He, we have different variations. Um, if a movie is, for instance, streaming on Netflix, he suggests that that's where they can find it. However, and this one is just so you know, it's Netflix streaming. If you have uh, access to that, as as of um, mid July two thousand twelve, it's Which streaming. We know could change at any hour depending well, on the weather. <laughs> and according to the great uh, site uh, given to us by our, our friend Kevin Batchelder, uh, InstantWatcher dot com. Mm-hmm. This movie's available to, to till I believe was 2032. <laughs> so <laughs> yes, we'll see how that goes. Extension. We'll see how um, that goes. As is for those of you interested, which we'll talk about in a little bit, all of the sequels. Yes. To this movie, all the way up the through. Franchise. Was that up through nine? Because I think, or did Jason? No, Jason X even was available, right? No, Jason X is on there. Yeah. Yeah, but I think Jason versus Freddy it wasn't. Uh, yeah, and it's deba- uh, I think can... that was the crossover issue, and I think that was because of the Nightmare on Elm Street. That they probably didn't have that on, but yeah, all of the yeah. pure Friday the 13th movies that are just belong to that franchise. Yep. Okay. Yeah. All right, cool. And, uh, of course, uh, I could have picked the one, like I said, that was the instant streaming, but it just seemed appropriate <laughs> that this was a go to your local video store and get it because, you know. 1980. Yes, this indeed. is the beginning of the most amazing era in cinema history, <clears throat> except for 1900 to 1980. But um, <laughs> this is... <laughs> so so uh, okay i'm confused are you saying that any cinema made between 1900 and 1980 no i'm saying the total the sum total of all movies made from 1900 to 1980 yeah is equivalent to okay 1980 to 1989 nice which i believe we may or may not have a ebook hmm. intent that may be coming out that's Jason's not-so-subtle way from telling me to get off my ass and finish editing something we've been working on for a while. So with God that, let's work. Go, go, okay, trailer. <laughs> Hello? Who's that? Oh, hi. What are you doing out in this mess? One.
time to get there and who knew he was actually <laughs> counting down the numbers of number of sequels that they're well i guess actually, <laughs> technically technically it depends on how you want to go with it because you get up to jason x which of course is part 10 then if you want to say jason uh, versus freddy is part 11 11 and then of course we had the remake which we'll get into later i actually watched it mm-hmm. oh god so the, <laughs> so that would be 12 so this summer 2012 yeah Jason returns, even if you don't want him to. <laughs> Which I'm sure there would be a lot of people that would feel that way. However, no one listening to this show, I know, that <laughs> no, does not apply true. to you out there. Yeah, it took me a while listening to that trailer to recognize that what he was doing was counting up to Friday the 13th, as in days of the <laughs> yeah, month. I, I gotta be honest. Because I really thought he was counting up to the... The sequels. Number of sequels. Well, what's, well, the worst <laughs> so. part is when he started doing that, because I hadn't actually listened to the trailer in its entirety. I just downloaded it. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay, Friday the 13th trailer. Uh, yeah. and, and I didn't do due diligence. I didn't listen to it from beginning to end, because it's like eight <laughs> minutes long or however long it was. And as he started counting, I'm like, oh, crap. <laughs> Did I get the wrong? Is this like some kind of DVD box set trailer? <laughs> right, right. Yeah. It's the 2010 yes, trailer. Exactly. <laughs> So, Jason, before we get real deep into this one, now now listen to me. Take your time. Don't <laughs> blow a gasket trying to explain uh, the plot synopses of this particular motion picture because I don't... People th- think complex plot. They, they think of uh, movies like, I don't know, Inception or... Because you have layers, you have yeah, yeah, or maybe layers. yeah, layers, and you know, or, or they might they might think of you know a real a movie that's like a real puzzle, like uh, like mm-hmm. a, you know, like maybe or like a memento, like a memento because it plays you know like the whole thing's kind of playing backwards. It's like you know the mm-hmm. or or uh, maybe that might be a spoiler uh, hey, alert, by the way. Um, hey, Benjamin Button, if you will. Yeah, I only like the last twenty minutes of that movie. <laughs> God, it's like come on. <laughs> I've come to the so, conclusion that the only movie of David Fincher's I actually could say I like from beginning to end is Seven. Mm. From beginning to end. And Panic Room actually isn't that bad. One of those little, I know Fight Club is like, oh, Fight Club's the greatest movie. Oh, well, okay. Mm-hmm. It's the greatest movie, uh, but it was actually pretty good. It was a good movie up until the quote-unquote reveal. I just thought that was BS. But, well, we can talk about that later. Go ahead <laughs> and do your synopsis. <laughs> okay, so... 
this is not uh, that complex of a movie. This is basically what? the story. Uh, you know, it that doesn't mean it's not awesome. Um, not incredibly complex. This is a story basically of Camp Crystal Lake, which in 1958, Camp Crystal Lake was a summer camp. And in um, that year, something bad happens. And then for a couple of decades afterwards, nothing happens at that camp. So it shuts down. It has you know, kind of a bad vibe. No one goes uh, into it. And then uh, you know, this guy that looks something like Richard Dreyfuss and Jaws um, basically decides he's going to reopen the summer camp. So he hires a handful of camp counselors who all seem to be – you know, these kind of perfect late 70s kind of hipster sort of, although they didn't call it hipster then. Um, Hippie. Hippies, cuties, uh, to be camp counselors for this uh, new Camp Crystal Lake. And they're going to reopen it in this tiny town. And uh, in the setup of the camp, the counselors come early. They start mm, – Gosh, I don't want to give anything away. They start trying to clean things up and get the, the camp ready for the kids. This is really where it gets pretty uh, dense here. So just try and <laughs> yes, really right. try to wade through the layers. Try and just really sort them out because this is some I'm complex gonna... stuff. It's like, kind of like a, it's like a Fellini picture here. Well, so It is. And, yeah. you know, armpits and everything included. I'm going to try and get okay. it down to. Okay. Okay. It, uh, there's killing. A lot of killing. Um, I, uh, actually, pretty not... much lots of killing. Yeah. Um, anybody yeah. uh, in the movie is fair game. Let me just say that. Uh, yeah. Let's not give anything away. Nope. Let's just say uh, anybody is fair game. So someone. Some sex. We don't know. Uh, there's a little sex. A little bit. A little sex. Not enough boobs, but, you know, it's okay. <laughs> um, there's there's a little sex and a lot of killing, and somebody doesn't want uh, Camp Crystal Lake to be reopened or doesn't want people there, so they start murdering people at the camp, and that could include anybody that's part of the camp or anything. So uh, for those of you who haven't seen Friday the 13th, I don't want to give away the twist at the end just yet because I do want to talk about it towards the end. But let's just say there's lots of murdering. You have lots of point of view of the killer murdering these young – I don't want to say buxom. I keep wanting to say buxom because that to me means sexy, but – it actually means, I think, uh, large-chested. Big-breasted, yeah. Yes. And there are no big-chested women in this, but there are some very sexy women in this. Yeah, and, so. and, the, and the movie, and the movie uh, really adheres to my personal philosophy of uh, in, enjoying a natural. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's no yep. plastic people in this movie. There, there's some definitely some, some so I'm very pretty beautiful confi- women in this. I'm pretty confident uh, Mr. Bacon was hiding a slab <laughs> of bacon in his banana hammock. <laughs> and, you know... I, I may comment about this later, but I'm not quite sure those were his own nipples. So, you you, th- you think Savini had a hand in his nipples? <laughs> I think those were prosthetic nipples. Yes. I think. So those, I anyway, think, okay. So you've heard it here first, folks. Um, <laughs> Jason has determined Kevin Bacon's nipples were generated by Tom Savini's workshop. <laughs> Either that, or you know effect. what? Just, just generally, I didn't need to see Kevin Bacon's nipples. So, yeah. um, as we've given away, there are only a couple of. Uh, uh, Big names in this, or really the only one. Well, at the time, he wasn't. Big name. Correct. But people who will uh, recognize the name today, Kevin Bacon was in this film. Uh, he played one of the counselors that came uh, with his girlfriend to help open this uh, camp. Um, 
there was also Adrian King. Uh, Adrian King was uh, kind of a, a fantastic scream queen. She was in this, and then um, as you and I talked today, she's also in Friday the Thirteenth Part Two, uh, a French film. Um, yes, but yes. only in a tiny part of it. So she is the main heroine. But Kevin Bacon's really the only major, major name acting in it. Um, and then this was directed by, of course, Sean S. Cunningham. Yep. Uh, which this became a standard for horror slasher flicks for for many many years yep um now i'm gonna ask you this sir Mm -hmm. you remember the very first sean s cunningham movie that we covered on forgotten flicks that would be house uh no oh crap it was deep Deep star six damn it (laughs) yes oh i tried to blank that one out (laughs) okay (laughs) the first watchable did you say watchable sean s cunningham yes that would have been the house starring the great william cat Yes. Um, house was probably a little bit better, but, you A know, little bit? A little. Just a they tad. didn't have sea monsters in theirs. No, they didn't. So. <laughs> they didn't have nail people's nipples either. <laughs> <laughs> no. Mm-hmm. Um, so, anyway, it's, it's really the story of Camp Crystal Lake and the murders that happened during the night, this, this late 70s, early 80s. Um, I, I'm assuming it didn't really give a date. It said current day, so I'm assuming they mean like 1979. Yeah, 19, yeah, 1979, 80, when it was taking place. Yeah, it's just present day. Yeah. So that's the general synopsis. If you haven't seen it yet, definitely watch this. If you haven't seen any of the Friday the 13th movies, definitely watch this one first, the 1980 original uh, with Kevin Bacon, Adrian King, Betsy Palmer. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, we'll give away her, her role in a little bit. Um, Watch this film first because this definitely is the purposeful precursor to the entire. It's, it sets up the mi- it sets up the mythos. It does, mm-hmm. and I think that's important. I mean, because even though this, it didn't mean to. Well, yeah, probably not. No, it did. No, uh, Victor Miller, the guy who wrote it, said he point blank was instructed to rip, you know, rip off Halloween, and would they never? Jason <laughs> was meant to be a plot device and never intended to be brought back. That was right, but what Which happened is, was is the movie amazing. made a butt ton of money, <laughs> and they like, oh, can you make uh, eleven more? Yes, um, <laughs> please make a lot more of these. Yeah. So, yeah. So I'll spill the beans at this point if if you don't mind. Yeah. Um, spill the beans, please do. Okay. Um, uh, let me let me get this carpet out of the way. All right, spill. <laughs> so, um, the thing about this movie, I I've actually seen this movie many times, um, as I have many of the Friday the Thirteenth movies, and I've blocked some of them out just because they all blend together and they get a little blurry between that and yeah. Nightmare on Elm Street and Halloween. Is it really but, disturbing that I could probably differentiate <laughs> between them? <laughs> no, actually, I'm going to count on you to do that. Okay, today, so. I, I kind of find it a little disturbing <laughs> that I can do that. Yes. It, no, not disturbing. Um, I'd say marketable. So, oh, um, or, or, or <laughs> idiot savant-like. Yes. I'll go yeah, with that. Yeah, right, definitely, right. definitely, yeah, definitely, definitely, yeah, definitely, yeah, definitely, yeah, definitely not really Jason. Definitely, yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely, definitely I'm not, not, not Jason. <laughs> definitely, definitely, definitely. Yes. Yeah, so, so the big, the big key to this movie, this is the the initiator mm-hmm. of this this uh, series, is that Jason, which Friday the Thirteenth is very well known for, you've got hockey mask, big butcher knife, that kind of thing, is not actually in this movie, wait, wait. except. For a tiny little fragment, but he is a plot device. So for this, the real story of this is that there was a summer camp, 
And as we heard in the trailer, Jason was a 10-year-old kid who drowned in the lake while the camp counselors who were supposed to be watching him were out making love. Yes. They were getting jiggy with it. They may or may not have been having nasty marijuana sex. But, you know, hey. Although, was it me and the uh, flashback to 1958 at the beginning of the picture? It pretty much looked like 1980, but with just the title 1958 over it, meaning the yeah. hair, the clothes. <laughs> there was nothing to really yeah. differentiate it. I didn't feel like, oh, yeah. yeah, this is definitely a different time. It's sort of like they <laughs> went like at the last, like, oh, crap, we've really got to have that that prologue thing. Um, Yeah, you, you, stand over here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you guys just act like it's 1958. Yeah. Um, no, it didn't feel like that. And so, and as the movie starts, it's supposed to be in the in, in 1958. But what happens is Jason, as a kid, drowns. And so the entire movie, it's really about his mother. Spoiler. What? As Excuse the me. murderess. Excuse me. Spoiler alert, please. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, spoiler alert guy. We missed you. Yeah, so the big thing, if you've never seen Friday the 13th, you've obviously heard the mythos about Jason, but in the first one, he's not in it. So I think everybody, mother... I think everybody, if they've never even seen any of these movies or very, you know, avoid horror movies, I think everybody knows that, don't they, at this point? I don't, I don't think I gotta so. believe everybody knows the whole, oh, it really wasn't Jason. Yeah, but in the first one, I don't know. I mean, because so many of those came out in the mid to late 80s, yeah. that that's when they became super popular. I think that's when people connected Jason with the hockey mask and the, well, I definitely the, think it went more mainstream at that point, but you got to figure what's see this one came out in 80, right? Part two came out right. 80 one or two. two. I think it was, I want to say 82, but it may have actually been 81. And the reason why it's, and now I know part three came out in 83 because that was when you had the whole spate of the bad 3d. I mean, thank God we didn't have to go through that again. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, times. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Because, you know, with the, because you had Fred 13th and Amityville 3D and Jaws 3D. I mean, it's like they learned their lesson, didn't you, Hollywood? <laughs> you're not going to do that again, please. I'm going to take and retrofit Thank movies with 3D because it sucks. Prometheus. What? What? Well, I didn't say anything. Yeah. Star Wars. Uh, what? Part two was 81, by the way. Okay, okay. That was my thought. And then I think, like I said, three was 83. Let me see if I can get this. You check yep. it. I'm not going to, I'm not looking, so you check it. Right. So right. three is 83. Four is eighty four, five is eighty five, six is eighty six, seven eighty seven, um, part eight, um, which is uh, Jason takes Manhattan is actually eighty nine. Okay, hold on, you're you're going way too fast for me. Part three is eighty two. Oh shit, wrong. <laughs> I was wrong. Okay, right. so I guess so maybe part it was the, so. So actually, so you're telling me that was the innovator. That was the first three D of the three D. Well, no, I <laughs> guess did um. No, Jaws three D that came out eighty three, and I'm positive that came out eighty three. Yeah. Yes, that was eighty three. Yeah. But. Of Friday the Thirteenth, <laughs> Part Four came the out in eighty-four. Final chapter. Yeah, wink, wink. Yeah, that was that was eighty-four. That was eighty-four. You're correct. Yeah, and then eighty-five was five. Eighty-six yep. was six. Eighty-seven was seven. And then we jumped to eighty-nine for Jason takes Manhattan. Right? Don't leave me hanging, God. Dog it. I'm trying. I'm trying. I don't think it was eighty-eight. I think it was eighty-nine. I think eighty-eight. They skipped a year. Final chapter was eighty-four, which you know. Um. Is eighty nine? You're correct. Yes. Okay, and then so, and then we go to uh, Jason. Go, um, Jason goes to hell, right? Which is part nine. That is nineteen ninety. 
I want to say three, but it could be two. I want to say three. I'll go with 93. 93? Yes, that's what I'm going with. Are you sure? I'm going with it. Are you positive? God damn it. No, I'm not. Yeah, 93. The final Friday? That's what. You, yeah, the final Friday, yeah. It was 1993. You got it. Okay, all right. <laughs> yes. It was Jason Goes to Hell, wasn't that the... Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah Jason okay. Goes to Hell, the final, final Friday. Friday. Okay, sorry, I forgot that part, because <laughs> uh, it obviously was. And then part uh, Jason <laughs> X came. Now, that one's a little hard. I actually saw that in the... Th- actually, I saw the last couple in the theater. I was too young to see most of the other ones in the theater. My parents were such stick in the mud. They wouldn't let a 10-year-old go. <laughs> um, okay, let's see. What was Jason X? I'm trying. That one's a little harder. That was 2000 even? 2000? 2001. Oh, so very close. So close. So close. It was April 2000. Uh, I actually think if, if you look into I could be wrong on this, but I'm pretty sure if you dig deep enough, it was supposed to have come out earlier than that, and it was like delayed. Could have been. So maybe that's why mm-hmm. I'm taking 2000. But whatever. And then that was of course, the space one, right? Yeah, that was the space one. Then Freddy vs. Jason came out um, a couple years later, like 2003-ish, right? Somewhere in there. This is sad. I'm pulling this out of my 2003. Head. Okay, got good it. Uh, and then so we had Jason vs. Freddy, and then of course we just had in 2009 the remake, courtesy of Michael Bay and Platinum Dunes. <laughs> Crapping on your childhood, one movie at a time. <laughs> 2009. Yes. With Jared Polinsky. Which the be- <laughs> one of the best parts of the movie. Yeah. Because I like yeah. Supernatural. It's a cool show. He's a good actor. Sure. So, yep. yeah, hey, dude, did you see the remake? I haven't seen it. This I know you watched it. I did. Because you know what I said? I said, finally, for once. I always mock the remakes, and then I, ne- I always never see them. Although I did <laughs> finally try to sit through the Halloween remake. I tried, people. I got 45 minutes in. I'm like, I can't take this stupid Shit. It was oh. It <laughs> Wait, was, we're talking Friday the Thirteenth. It was like white. You know, you know what it was. You know what it was. No, no, it, no, no, no. it was. It was. It was. Let me. I have to say this, and then I'll be. I'll get over my rage virus here. <laughs> it was like Some. a white trash. Um, and I can say that because I'm part white. Um, a white trash Lifetime movie. It was <laughs> god awful. <laughs> It was god-awful. It's like everything that made Michael Myers this unknown, unstoppable force, it's like Rob Zombie said, oh, wait, all the scary stuff, let me take that out. And just have this psycho kid and do like this, you know. He's a long-haired blonde kid with a cheap plastic Walmart mask on. Yeah, and he's scary because he'll club a a mother. And we'll have Bill Forsyth just play a nasty skis ball whose ass is like duct taped to a Barca lounger. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god it was horrible and then all of a sudden cut to jason who's this like makes i mean not jay sorry michael cut to michael. years later michael is like freaking bigger than jason Voorhees. Oh in a god. mental institution yeah where they just kind of masks where, all over the wall yeah, yeah where danny trejo's like hey he's not so bad man what <laughs> do you see this guy <laughs> i don't even know he was started about malcolm mcdowell as oh freaking are you, are loomis are Back to oh my god, yeah, <laughs> I guess whatever. <laughs> it, 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 ready and ready, ready for this. And how, how's this for a compliment? I could at least finish the Friday the Thirteenth remake. <laughs> <laughs> for you, that's actually a pretty big, pretty big compliment. It really is because I've gotten to the point, people, where if I get in a movie and it just pisses me off or what, I'm done. See, I think what it was is that with Halloween, I feel like Rob Zombie, though I haven't been a big fan of his movies, I respect him as an artist. So, and I felt like it had like I. I kind of got what he was trying to do, and that just really pissed me off even more. 
because it was so ineffectually done. Because she didn't like what he was doing. Exactly. Whereas with yeah. this movie, honestly, I don't even know why they called it a remake. Because here's the thing. Every Friday the 13th movie, in its own way, is a remake <laughs> of the original, if you well, think about it. True. They're all yeah, very it's a re- similar. reinvention yes. of the same themes. Yes. And, and what I disliked about the remake, honestly, is that I think they took everything that made uh, Jason iconic. Well, first off, they pretty much covered the first three Friday the 13th movies. It was like they remade the first three. They remake the first one like the first all in one. You yeah, yes, press yeah. it uh-huh. to, Before yeah. the opening credits, you literally have gotten through like parts one and two, and then part three is the I guess you could argue is kind of, and, and into four a little bit is uh, is sort of like the rest of the movie. At least similarities. I mean, it's obviously not the same movie, but there's a lot of similarities if you if you yeah. watch this picture. So, but it just they made Jason into this kind of like hillbilly. Inbred, kind of like he doesn't. Hills have eyes. Yeah, kind of like that. Kind of that vibe. The wrong, wrong turn. Kind of like to me, it was. Yeah, the how, wrong turn. Yeah. yeah, how he gets his hockey mask was lame. I mean, in the original uh, part three, he gets it from sort of the prankster uh, character named Shelley, who's you know sort of the 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 chunky, right. no nobody likes him kind of guy. And there's this whole yeah. thing that transpires that gets Jason the mask, and and it's just it's more a little more iconic and memorable. And this is sort of like oh, there it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, I think that, uh, you know, we've talked about this before, that I think that some of the remakes that happen nowadays. Are, are you really about to happen- play? Oh, wait, wait. Are you really about to play devil's advocate for Michael effing Bay? <laughs> Who is, in fact, the Don't devil, you as ever it turns out. me about this. Don't record this. <laughs> Turn off oh, the Okay, I'm not recording. Mm, no, it's not recording. Turn You're good. Off. You're okay, safe. Good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're not on. Uh, no. We're not mm-hmm. on no, okay. no. Good. I'm happy. Okay. Um. So. Uh, <laughs> To, to play devil's advocate a little bit, it, for the contemporary audience, I think that a lot of the movies that come out now are a little bit more, you know, and we've talked about this, and you and I don't like it, but in general, a, a little more on the nose about explanations of the background of what's happening. So You really think that's as, what audiences want versus what these filmmakers are doing? I'm not saying all audiences. I'm not saying all. Just so clear, I'm still recording. So, yeah. <laughs> Son of a... Um, <laughs> No, I'm not saying all audiences. I'm just saying that I think a lot of the newer movie-going audiences, a lot of the the younger are, the, are these are these audiences folks, fetal. When you say um, newer, the ones that are how new are we talking about? Okay, um, the ones I gleam are... in their daddy's eye <laughs> as he's making out with their future mama. Yeah, something like that. Okay. No, I just think that I think that a lot of them. If, if you look at the trend, okay, if you were to able, if you were to take a snapshot of a lot of the films that came out in the mid. I'd say 2005 to 2010. Okay, so let's just take that five-year range. I think that range, you see a lot more films that have to explain why is that why things happen. Yes. No. Why, no. I'm, no, I'm asking right. you why. It, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. This is not a moral judgment. I'm asking you if you believe that. Why do you think it is? Like I'm legitimately asking. Why do you think they? Um, I don't know. I. I. You know. I I'm, have a theory. I think. Well. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's generally because that. You know, we've got some generational differences in film and, and that that film has evolved through time and so has the film viewer. So one could argue got, based on these remakes it's devolved, but continue. Uh, potentially, you know, I'm not saying whether or not they're better or worse. I'm just saying they've changed through time. So I think that when you talk about the, the Friday thirteenth remake and the Halloween remake and uh, some of those, that you've got an expectation of a little bit more background a little bit more explanation of why things happen i think it's a current generational type thing because 
as I sat through a lot of these movies, as we've talked about on the show, I sit through them with my teenage girls. And so a lot of times they'll ask, why is that happening? I'm like, it doesn't matter why. Don't ask. Yeah. Just, just sit through it. But I think there, there, there is the foundation of a lot of these films. Like Friday the 13th, I think, actually set a precedent and created a genre. Well, I, well, we'll get into the whole whether it created the genre or not. But I think you make a good point. But what that really says to me is, because you said your kids will ask you, like, what, why is this yeah, happening? Okay. Yeah. And I think kids have always done that. Like, I don't think that's new generation. Audio. I think that that's how I remember being a kid and not getting why a character. But I also remember, like, I would just go with it. I think even kids today will just go with it more often than not. I think yeah. that I think that you have a bunch of filmmakers who, A, aren't very good storytellers. They're great filmmakers, meaning technically they are proficient. Yeah. They can make beautiful images with a camera and then put it together in a somewhat coherent way. Okay, they yeah. are competent filmmakers but they're shitty storytellers first off secondly i think that they are totally trying to pander to kids whereas a lot of these other movies were yeah they were maybe directed towards teenagers older teenagers but i definitely felt like there's more of an adult vibe to them although i would argue in the remake it the adult vibe was the fact i think i was more surprised that the sex was more graphic in it than the actual violence <laughs> Because well, there was a couple times you're like, whoa, okay. Because um, I think at the end of the day, you can't forget that you know movies are a business. And so they're trying to pander course, absolutely. to the no, largest but, demographic but here's the catch. of people. Here's the catch. It doesn't work because this uh, the reason they're not making a sequel to the uh, uh, crappy remake of Friday the 13th. Why? Because it didn't do that great. Say, uh, Halloween, after Halloween 2, totally tanked. I mean, I think there may have been... Because here's here's the catch, and especially with horror, and and as a you know a, a a fan from way back, I think the one, and I'm not even as diehard as as some folks are. I think the one catch with something like horror is it's very. Whenever you have a new horror movie come out, especially if it's connected to one of these sort of beloved iconic franchises. Mm-hmm. The first audience that they really should be thinking about are, is the horror audience because they're the ones that are going to talk it up. And if they alienate them and piss them off, it's done. It's pretty no, no. much done because I think yeah. most teenagers today have much bigger like thing, b- things that they'll do. Like I don't think most teenagers like if that's the audience that they're going to primarily target. Number one, I think they should come up with maybe some <laughs> wait for it new ideas uh, <laughs> uh, and and try and appeal to them on you know in, in maybe a cultural context that they would understand and connect with. But that's beside the point. I think that if you're going to say reboot Friday the Thirteenth. My thought, and I had this idea a long time ago, and I mean, it probably wouldn't work. It doesn't matter, and I wouldn't want to remake it anyway. But if you did, had they said it in 1980, and kind of like uh, the movie House of the Devil, we've talked about before by Ty West, the fact that it, Mm -hmm. it really captured the vibe, that was in my head when I thought about, like, if they ever remade Friday the 13th, if I could, I had had my druthers and I could remake it, I always thought remaking it, setting it in 1980, like it never leaves 1980, and actually kind of almost doing like a period piece and having it because you probably have a bigger budget. So you could actually have music, more music from the time you could have, you know, if, if a little bit more um, connected to that time period and then, you know, getting like uh, an actress like uh, Alison Hannigan to, uh, um, you know, from uh, uh, Buffy and how I met your mother and yeah, American yeah. Pie, like somebody like her to play Alice and kind of we really, yeah. if you're going to remake it, they'll do that. But I thought it'd be kind of like a cool, fun way of doing it. Um, but in like this remake, they really didn't. All they did was make a Friday the Thirteenth sequel, 
They really did. That's all there was is a Friday the 13th sequel. That's what it felt like to me that they just called a remake because at the beginning they showed the end of the original from 1980. So that the way they could justify having Jason as the killer all the way through the movie because he's, of course, the selling point. Um, But I guess back to your original point. I, I get the argument that says, oh, it's a different audience. And, of course, we have these franchises that have been done to death. How do we do something different with them? Well, here's a thought. Don't come well, up with and, something and, new. Yeah, and, and you and I have actually had this discussion ad nauseum. And literally, I think I threw up one time we were talking about this. Um, but <laughs> the fact that that part of the reason why we actually have a podcast is the fact that so Many original ideas from the 80s, which, you know, which, which I'll be honest. Let, Friday the 13th, not that original. Actually. No, no. I was going to say, let's be honest. There, there are plenty of uh, most of the themes or at least storylines of some of the movies that come out in the 80s that were very popular or um, got big were not wholly original. So, however, they were I think executed. that nowadays, yeah, yeah, I think we're getting a, I think we get a lot of just rehashing. Mm-hmm. I think the problem is we get a lot of business decisions in an art form and that's where you and i have talked i love some of the independent stuff that's come out because it feels like it's original storytelling a lot of what's coming out now is just rehashing i mean i would have loved i I, seriously if someone had remade the original friday the 13th they had redone the story Mm -hmm. of a camp Mm-hmm. redone the story of where a kid died mm-hmm. and the mother was so distraught from that that she became this psychopath mm-hmm. and that in her mind a la psycho from the 1960s she channeled her son's voice and was killing these people that would to me would have been really really well done although here's but, my real quick here's my theory she wasn't psych- she wasn't psycho she in fact was possessed by whatever brings jason back that's why she had she does his voice, so it's why she she acts so nice when she first goes to Alice and then something snaps and then she's like she's so yeah. she's shocked when she first sees that body. She's like she was who oh, what kind of monster would do this? And then you get the whole like yo wait, wait, you get Jason, you get <laughs> uh, play, you, yes. you, you you get play it. Play it. Kill her, mommy. Kill her. Don't let her get away, mommy. Don't let her live. I won't, Jason. I won't. Because if you follow the entire <laughs> mythology of Jason all the way through, like, nine when he goes to hell, he comes out, the, you know, the, the, spoiler alert for part nine, um, they <laughs> blow him up, and this uh, his heart starts beating in the uh, the morgue and the uh, the mortician or the, the coroner, the, the, the medical examiner, he starts eating the heart. And gets possessed by whatever, whatever demonic <laughs> force brought Jason back from the dead. So, because arguably Jason was dead, dead, theoretically. Now, some people have made the argument that no, he wasn't, that he had never drowned, and he actually was living in the woods as kind of like this mountain man kind of thing, um, and then and then subsequently went on, uh, you know, to kill, and then in part four, he was officially killed, which is why in five, spoiler alert, it's not really him, and... <laughs> <laughs> and then he's brought back again uh, via lightning, uh, kind of in a, in a Frankensteinian kind of uh, way in part six. Right. So reanimated, reanimated, if you will. Yeah, if you will. And yeah. I contend that Mrs. Voorhees was in fact not just a psycho. I say she was possessed 
by whatever malevolent force would ultimately bring back her son and possess him to do the same kind of crap. And hence, and, and maybe you could call that Jason or whatever the essence of Jason. But if you follow the no, trajectory no, of the whole series, that actually kind of makes sense. No, no, no. I'd call that. I wouldn't call it trajectory. I'd call it uh, bullshit. Um, because when that first movie was made, that wasn't... I. If you've watched all of them, you could pull back to that. Of course, but that's what I have to go by. Uh, But no, no. I'm saying if you take the original in its pure form, if you just take the original as a standalone Mm -hmm. movie, Mm -hmm. not taking – because I I have seen many of the others. I don't know if I've seen all of them. I've seen a lot of them. Um, But if you just take it as a standalone, if – all I'm saying – I'm not saying that was the best. I'm saying if they remade the film just about her, that even if they had made it that she was just – snapped that she was just psycho oh you know what they should have let, no they should have let rob zombie do it and then we could have seen it all from her point of view and then and we she cried we, therapy and for, like, sessions you know and she'd go cabin. on these you know, she'd just go on these like you know profanity laced tirades at like and she went her to day the, job the judge oh, and she was like God. please and you'd do see something her, like, the first time she strangled anything. like her kitten or something and she'd be like oh wait that feel, <laughs> that that gets out the pain that gets out the rage i gotta keep this going <laughs> and then we do and then and like almost an hour into the movie she'd finally meet annie as she's walking to camp blood <laughs> That's how it would go. Let's just be honest. No, with a I, I, speaking of uh, bullshit, <laughs> uh, I have to address your comment about the business versus the art form. Yeah, filmmaking at its at its at its most pure level is an art form. Um, filmmaking, as it relates to Hollywood, is a business first and foremost. The art form no, is I incidental; <laughs> it just happens yeah, but... to occur. And there are artisans that work on movies. I would argue, uh, if you listen to Sean Cunningham, I think one of the interviews I watched in, in prep for this, his exact words were: "The only, how, how did he put it? Basically, the only thing that like counts when you're making your movie is f- to make money. Because and, and, yeah, yeah, to make a yeah. to his point, if you don't, you don't get to make more movies. Well, so it's all about making true. money." This is true, but I, I, I definitely think that sometimes um, the direction of a film is moved more by what the box office return will be than rather than what would be the best thing to do for the story. Sometimes the best thing for the story wins, and you actually get some really, really good films. And um, I think a lot of the films that you and I have talked about that we love so much, like Garbage Pail dis- Kids <laughs> and Masters of the Universe, of course, um, were actually created not because they would have a box office draw, not because at the time that's what was hot, or at the time this is what's the big thing that's going to get people into theaters. I think some of the movies that you and I have, have really attached to are the films that some either producer or director or writer has said this is unique and. For that reason, that's why this movie has will draw people, not because it's playing on a theme that is really popular and everybody's doing a you know a, a film about right now, and that's what's going to get butts and seats, and that's what's going to make us money. So well, I can I sometimes I will agree with so, you. I think they definitely the ones that tend to become the have the most longevity and tend to be the ones that appeal to like us personally tend to be yeah. ones where they didn't know. It was a, literally a roll of the dice. Like there was, yeah, you know, right. like a look at a movie they, like, they yeah, took, like RoboCop. Okay, they just, the nobody wanted to make RoboCop because it was a ridiculous idea on paper. But then, right, but they, here, they didn't do it because oh, these are the top five things that are trending with teenagers right now. Let's put these things in a film. Well, they and definitely, just, no, that definitely started in the eighties, big time. I mean, it, it, you could make yeah. the argument that it starts in seventy five with Jaws. 
you know, when you have that first summer blockbuster and Hollywood picks up on this content, and then of course Star Wars, and it's off to the races. Where oh, if we were release release this tentpole movie in the summer, <laughs> and then of course now we have tentpoles that go throughout the entire year. Um, uh, wait, wait a second, are you telling me you got a tentpole when you watch Star Wars? Um, I used to, and then Han didn't shoot first. Um, so just checking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, so the point being that I think there's, all, I mean, first off, they're called producer, the, the producer of a movie. It, that's all they care about is butts and seats and the bottom yeah, line. Well, they're, they're, that's, and, and rightfully so, it's their job. So, you know, yeah, you yeah. spend millions or even hundreds of thousands of dollars on a project. You pretty much, it's your, you know, fiduciary responsibility yeah, to try I mean, and generate the a profit. point is to try and return the Of course, it's a business because first and foremost, it. yeah. it's a business. It just happens to be a very, inter- it potentially has the potential mm-hmm. to be a business that has lots of entertainment value and uh, benefit for us as the consumer uh, that being said I think what the point I guess that I, I'm getting from you is is this idea that you know the films and I wouldn't necessarily classify Friday 13th in this category I think that was a crass calculated because first off it also in part two specifically but this one also rips off a uh, Mario Bava movie which a lot of horror fans consider to be the sort of original slasher film although yeah. Some people would argue Psycho is. I would say Psycho isn't because it doesn't follow the 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 model that we have come to know as the the boogeyman type slasher film. But uh, Mario yeah. Bava did a movie called it's got like a thousand titles like Bay of Blood, Twitch of the Death Nerve, Carnage, whatever you know it by. And it literally it has two kind of storylines going on. But at some point, there's a group of kids who go and kind of are camping out in this dilapidated area and dilapidated area and are subsequently horrifically killed off one by one and uh, Cunningham has acknowledged that that movie was a huge (laughs) influence and in fact there are two kills in uh, part two that are almost shot for shot from that movie so uh, Mm. you so so you know that Italian film which taps more into uh, if you want to get into um, uh, the giallo there's a there's a whole genre of Italian pictures called the giallo which is yellow in Italian that uh, stem from the pulp novels the Italian pulp novels and they if if you ever seen torso um, uh, was it the um, I'm brain farting brain farting. Uh, toolbox murders um uh, and it, Dario Argento a crap ton of his stuff yeah. four flies yeah. and uh, gray velvet and and uh, it, those are all it's you, it's the ones where you always see like the killers you know black leather gloved hands and you always use yeah, it right, as a small right. the ones reaching in front of the camera exactly. and kind of coming out yeah, yeah. And, and there's always you know some nubile women coys. and so those really kind of you could argue set the precedent so again all this stuff was in place and then you have Halloween which a couple years before this uh black christmas a couple years before that so you had this whole crescendo. So really, you know, Friday the 13th, while sort of, I guess, known for bringing this sort of, the, I kind of feel like Friday the 13th was like with the apex, like it all kind of was building up, building up, building up, and then Friday the 13th, and then, you know, because it was within short order after that, because by the time you're hitting the mid mid to upper 80s, because the MPAA started really cracking down on slasher films, yeah. you know, you had a lot of tripe. And then you get into the early 90s. Now, I'm not knocking Leprechaun and Brain Scan, but let's just <laughs> but, say that there may have been, or Dr. Giggles, um, but uh, there may, in fact, have been a even more crass attempt to, because at least like you, you, this proves your point, when they made the original Friday the 13th, they thought it was a one-off deal. They didn't expect right. it would become a franchise that they could do all this stuff with. They were just well, hoping to get a profit. It, 
Yeah, and you you have to at least admit that even the films that came before it that were probably the original slasher flicks, and you know this uh, the series of films. Because I'm not saying this is the first one, yeah. But if you think about the movies that came out before it, they didn't make Friday the Thirteenth. You know, Sean Cunningham didn't didn't direct this because he thought, oh, the ones that came before us were wildly popular Halloween. and made a yeah, whole no, bunch of did, money. He did do it let's, because of Halloween, absolutely. Yeah, let's I, make let's. Because Halloween yeah, yes. was money, Halloween was this? Halloween. How oh, good, God! He's admitted it. Yes. Oh, absolutely, dude. <laughs> oh, no doubt. Look, Sean S. Cunningham. God bless him. He he is like George Lucas's low budget younger brother. He is the he who is at least willing to admit, like a Roger Corman. Yeah. Yes. Yes. But even more so, like he is so like blatantly willing to admit. That he made movies to make a buck. Like, that was what he yeah. did. And yeah. I, I don't really get an impression from Cunningham that there was ever a pretense. Uh, I mean, look at Deep Star 6. Oh, gee, coincidentally comes out exactly when The Abyss does. Hmm. Yeah, I, think, I think Deep Star 6 was better. But, uh. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, but no, he absolutely, because, I mean, Halloween was a huge hit. I think they spent 175, no, maybe 300-something grand on it, and it made, you know, millions and millions of dollars. It was a huge hit at that point, only two years prior to this. So, yeah, actually, it came right. out a year before they would have been shooting this. Uh, um, the budget was 320 On Halloween? On Halloween. Yeah, and I think this was like 500 and change, something it like is that. Made, it is made in 19... 19- Nineteen seventy-eight made sixty million. Yeah, there you go. So, <laughs> Mr. Cunningham saw those numbers because actually, in proving okay. that Cunningham was very calculated in this, he actually before he had a script, got a one-page ad uh, to, he took out in Variety and just put mm-hmm. Friday the Thirteenth, like coming soon or something like that. And he didn't. I think it had a similar font to what's in the title, mm-hmm. and that's all he did because he was trying to generate interest to raise funds. For this picture, and it did. And people were like, well, what's this Friday the 13th day? Because, of course, Halloween, mm-hmm. Friday the 13th, taking... And now, we could then get into how many holiday, quote-unquote, movies came out after well, this. Well, yeah. <laughs> and I think that's what it is. I think Halloween definitely... I mean, again, the Italian pictures and Black Christmas movies like that set the the ground, you know, set things kind of in motion. Halloween really built it up. And what it was is, after Friday the 13th, I think everybody beyond those original uh, pioneers of the genre sort of went, mm-hmm. oh, run, run, run. It, it came almost like that was, you know what it was? Friday the 13th was the beginning of the subprime mortgage crisis. <laughs> Son of a bitch. I just figured it out. It's the cinematic equivalent of the, sub- of the subprime mortgage. <laughs> no, I, I realize, all you Slasher fans, I apologize. I just equated <laughs> your, well, we your, 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 your beloved films tonight, into something actually evil. But that being said, <laughs> um, no, the the but think about it. It's sort of like everybody after that was truly being crass. It was all about like, oh, uh, you know, yeah. Valentine's Day and uh, Mother's Day. And, you know, and just we had all these pictures that that's exactly what they were doing. Um, of course, the exact same thing Cunningham was doing. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> and you could even argue Carpenter was to some degree. And uh, uh, Mustafa Akkad, who, who produced the original Halloween, because. Uh, you know, Car- we've talked. I think we may have talked in our Black Christmas episode about the fact that uh, Carpenter had a connection to Bob Clark and uh, Black yeah. Christmas, and and the the sequel yes. to Black Christmas was going to, in fact, be called Halloween. Yes, um, yes. And I know Cl- Bob Clark before he died, God bless him, made some comment about that he never felt that Carpenter actually ripped him off; it was his own thing. But yeah. and I and I definitely could make the argument. I think Carpenter's a much more of a, of an artist as a filmmaker than Cunningham is. I think Cunningham tends to be his pictures are pretty damn pedestrian. I mean, I enjoy them, but but his filmmaking style is pretty flat. I mean, there was some decent cinema. We might after almost an hour want to mention the actual movie that we 
said this episode was going to be about. Um, we, we were talking about it in a very like kind of social, you know, <laughs> like philosophical context. But with Friday the 13th, I feel like rewatching it. And I guess we should probably also address how we actually feel about the movie. At it, some point, you know, it, I figure we get that. Get to that in about an hour. Yeah, you know. Um, I, I felt like rewatch because I hadn't, I, I was thinking about it. It's been a while since I had seen it. I thought it had been only a few years ago. I think it was more than that. I think it may have been pushing seven, eight years ago. Yeah. So certain things about it jumped out at me more so this time. And I was really looking for them, to be fair. And it doesn't really scare me anymore. I mean, I still find, uh, you know, Betsy Palmer creepy. When I was a kid, the movie scared the crap out of me. Um, and in fact, the order that I actually saw these, my cousin Chris had a sleepover. I was like, 10, 11-ish, maybe? Um, he's also the one ex- uh, exposed to me. Um, I probably want to be careful I say that. Um, he, 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 he did expose me to uh, uh, Creepers, which is also known as Phenomena, a Dario Argento, and my first gore flick at like, the age of eight or nine. That's the one I told you I thought was called Critters. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> Oopsie. Not quite, although it did have Jennifer Psych. Connelly. Yes, yeah, just kidding. So <laughs> so then uh, at a sleepover, we watched Friday 13th 4, and I believe 5 were my first two. And uh, then my friends, Jail and Wade, God bless their parents, man, they just take us to the video stores and we were off to the races. I remember we rented like all, all the Friday 13th movies. We rented Nightbreed and Hellraiser and just everything with them. They were fantastic. So we, but what we loved to do during our summer break is we'd rent like I with them. I think we got again, four and five. I remember getting six, seven, and I think eight hadn't come out yet. So I remember seeing those with them and we'd watch them like in a marathon while eating pizza and spaghetti. To see. Just to see if you could eat things with red sauce. Yeah, pretty so much. Just to see if we could eat gross, like yeah, foods up. that look. Yeah, exactly. That was the goal. That really was the goal. <laughs> and I think maybe with them, I finally saw two and three again rented. I still hadn't <laughs> seen one though. And I, and I finally saw one edited for TV on uh, WTOG forty four in Tampa. It was around Halloween time, and they were doing this marathon, like the first two, three or four Friday Thirteenth movies. So they were edited for edited for TV. But I remember when I saw it in the TV guide, it showed the picture of Annie when she's up against the tree getting her throat slit. Yeah, yeah. And for some reason, that picture, because like her eyes were like really wide, it like freaked me the hell out. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, and I really think that, again, it doesn't scare me anymore. I've seen it too many times and I just know too much. <laughs> but I, I, there it's just, it's, there's something about the movie. It's just, I don't know if it's just, there's a, almost like a little bit of a sleaziness to it in a way, kind of like a grindhousey kind of vibe. The music is creepy as hell. I, mean, I know you want to get into the music at some point, but um, I think it's really effective. Um, I think friggin' Betsy Palmer is scary as ass. I know the original uh, actress that was going to play Mrs. Voorhees, because uh, Betsy Palmer was uh, their second choice, I guess, was, I can't remember her name, but she's a lady who played Roseanne's mom on Roseanne. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. Oh, God. What is her name? I'm, I'm I don't gonna, remember. I'm going to cheat now. See, I admit when I'm doing that. I'm actually. Yeah, see, I, I'm not going to cheat, but I don't remember her name. I know who you're talking about, and I know um, the lady, but. But yeah, because I, I think she would have been good because on, on Roseanne, she kind of played crazy. And I could have pictured well, her. Oh, yeah. Now, she's a little bit more high pitched. I mean, Betsy Palmer's definitely got that deeper voice and those teeth. But in Roseanne, I, I think she matched it to try and be more like. Yeah, what shrill. Was. Yeah, more shrill. She and, had the shrill, yes. Yeah. Yeah. But, but yeah, the. the um, Betsy Palmer, I don't know, maybe it's her teeth, man. Like, I kept feeling like she was going to bite me. Like, you know what I mean? Like, she just looks like she'd bite you. So, okay. So, I, I had, I've seen this movie as I've seen the others. But I de- as just like you, I saw the original after I had seen uh, some of the sequels. So, the, the sequels that had uh, more of Jason in them, I, I, I hadn't seen those. Um, 
before I, I had seen those before I saw this one. So when I finally got around to seeing this one, my first reaction was, wait a second, there's not a lot of Jason in this one. But I do like it <coughs> because it's less like that supernatural um, that we've talked about that Halloween yeah. has and, and Nightmare on Elm Street has and, and even all of the other Friday the 13th. It is more of a pure slasher flick a la my favorite slasher flick, which is Black Christmas. Yeah, it's definitely more and of a murder mystery kind of thing. It is. It's kind of who's, inv- who's doing this. You never got the feeling like there was something supernatural involved. It was much, much more of a um, who is the person behind this because they, they do point of view. So a lot of times when the counselors first come in and as they're doing things and obviously as the murders happen, they show the point of view camera work behind a tree, behind branches, and you get very obscured views yeah. of these innocents uh, that have come in. And so you're kind of feeling from that perspective. And I really like that, and I, I think they did a great job with it. I actually – I mean I think Black Christmas did a better job of it, and I liked the setup better. But this, I think, set up a bigger franchise with the story, but not necessarily with the – execution of this original one now i love the original i I love this Mm -hmm. the couple things that stand out to me are um i know this isn't the first movie to do this but this is the first movie that i saw which was more of a in the woods kind of cabin Mm -hmm. heading between the latrine and the mess hall and and Mm -hmm. where we're sleeping kind of thing and it's raining and which brings up a point really who the hell goes out into the rain in their underwear with a poncho? No one. Put your damn clothes back on before you go out into the, the rain with a poncho on. No one. You're just asking to be killed. Yeah, we really should probably go through the litany of uh, abject stupidity. <laughs> there <laughs> that <is>. occurs. <laughs> Especially with Alice and the end trying to barricade herself in. I'm like, okay, Alice, the door opens out. Why are you (laughs) building up furniture in front of it? Because all they have to do is open the door outward, and then the furniture will just fall away, and they can run in the house. And that dresser is like two feet tall. So, (laughs) But stand with your back right up against a glass window. Mm -hmm. Yes, and leave all the glass windows wide open and pull the curtains away from the windows so you can see outside because that means they won't see you Yeah, because if they don't have a gun or a bow and arrow, which you know they do because you found a corpse (laughs) that has it sticking out of it, or or if you have a rifle, just throw it at the person as they approach you. (laughs) She she used that rifle about as well as she uses a hammer. Do you notice at the very beginning when she's using the hammer? Like she's like she's kind of hitting it off to the yeah, side. Yeah, she's kind of like holding it like towards the the claw, and like kind of like just not her she, her wrist doesn't even move. It's just like her whole arm is like. Eh, <laughs> oh, eh. So so this brings up a good point because I'd like to talk about this here. What do you think was the best kill of this movie? Because I have a very distinct because you brought up the beginning of the movie and some of the elements that lead up to it. That's a good question. I, I actually the best I, kill of this movie. I think. Um, my, my first response will be Kevin Bacon's, but let me add the caveat. The one thing that really stood out to me watching it this time, mm-hmm. I don't, did you, oh, did you, um, have somebody watch this with you? Cause I know you had talked about having somebody watch this with you. I didn't know. I you... did. My, my second teenager. Okay. What was her reaction to it? Cause I have a theory about this. At the end, by the, you know, when uh-huh. she was done with it, it scared the crap out of her. Did it good. Okay. All right. That actually makes yes. good. Cause I was she actually wondering. Was I, I don't know, maybe it's all these conversations you and I have had about the the kid the kids today, you know. But but I was thinking, I actually was thinking as I'm watching, it's like, damn, this movie's slow. 
Like it, it, it jumped out. It is. It's like I actually timed it. It's like twenty minutes between kills throughout the whole movie. I mean, up until the end, up until that last like you know twenty minutes, it's like pretty much you works. have these. It does. I like it, but I just I was thinking. No, of no, myself, but I think that I, I think that works for the for for my teenagers too, and for that genre. Now I can't speak for everybody, but I think that. That works for them too because if you think of a lot of movies that are out today, they're so quick. Yeah, it's true. Get I, no, I agree. That, I agree with you. Yes. That when they watch a movie that has burn, yeah. and that's what I think of it is. I think of it as build up yeah, and suspense. burn to yep. that. Yeah, it's it's actual suspense, not the I've jumped right into to the the supernatural, or jumped right into the murder, or jumped right into the blood and gore. This actually has burn. It's the same thing happened when we watched the the John Carpenter's The Thing. Yeah. It takes a while to kind of get up to a alien or to the creature in that but the build-up to that i think makes the event worse well and, and i, well, and I think but with the thing it actually was as gory as i remembered it whereas with this it most of the kills are either off screen or like you see the aftermath and you don't it just i seemed it's funny how your uh, your sense memory of something can be because i really thought it was more, more violent more yes. gory more often and even more sexual than it actually was it really wasn't i mean i'm not saying it would be a pg-13 but it really wasn't. I mean, compared to it wasn't the as bad stink as what, that's yeah. made about the movie, it's no. really not that bad. I think the original not Nightmare on Elm Street's gorier than this. I thought, yeah, much more so. And so is the original Halloween. And I, but no, I, the, no, no, the original Halloween isn't gorier. I wouldn't say it's gorier. There's almost no blood in that. Well, not blood. I would say. Why is it gory? I mean, blood and guts. Oh, okay. Yes. No. It, it, Nightmare on Elm Street was definitely had more. Um, yeah, definitely blood, more blood effects. Yeah, yes, yeah. definitely. Um, but. I, I had the same remem- uh, same memory. I, I actually thought uh, that this had more guts and, and blood kills. Actually, the bloodiest kill was really probably the Kevin Bacon kill, yeah. um, it, except for uh, my favorite kill was, was uh, the cook, the, the girl that was killed. Um, uh, oh, that Annie? Was, Annie, I'm sorry. The hitchhiker yeah. that was killed, uh, played by Robbie Morgan, when she was making her way to the camp. She never actually even gets to camp. Yeah. But the way that they played the scene where the Jeep pulls up, it looks just enough like the camp owner's yeah. Jeep yeah. to make to you question, yeah. is that him? Yeah. But that's a Jeep, but they never show who's in the driver's seat. But then as she's kind of talking to the person driving, she kind of gets this creepy feeling, and then the person decides they're going to you know, kill yeah. her. Which, by the way, that Jeep was going like 85 miles an hour. But when she jumped out of it, it, it was going like ten. Yeah, it's like um, no. She didn't even roll. She kind of like jumped out of a stopped uh, yeah. jeep and kind of rolls like a little to her back, and she's like, "Yes, I'm okay. Yeah. I'm gonna run into the woods now." Yeah, exactly. Because that's exactly where I'd go if I felt scared that yeah. a murderer was coming after me. I'd go to the place. So you felt her kill was the best. Well, I kind of liked it. I, I liked the way it was set up. I don't. Think that's it was a very course. basic. I know that's a very basic effect. I think you, so you're it, saying you like the whole setup, the the build up to it, and then, I did. Okay. I thought it was the scariest because of the way that the jeep was set up, and the yeah. way that they didn't know who was driving, and then they chased her into the woods, and then that whole kind of throat slash yeah. kill I thought was the best kill of the movie. Now Kevin Bacon's was kind of neat, and I do like that very much, but I, I thought that hers was the best kill. Of well, the movie, I think so. his was the best from the perspective of being the most. For, especially for the time period, the most kind of innovative because uh, yeah, unexpected. It was definitely and unexpected. unexpected. And I like the fact yeah. that they they did use a level of uh, 
uh, almost like what a magician would do, where a sleight of hand, where you know that there is, spoiler alert, a body above them after they've made the love. We see the body up there on the bunk, uh, the top bunk, and then as he's laying there by himself, you know, blood kind of hits him in the forehead. So we're, our yes. attention, you know, uh, even subconsciously, is that there's something above him. And then all of a sudden, a hand comes up from underneath him, grabs him by the neck, shoves an arrow up through the bed, up through his neck, and then it, and and it's all one shot. And the way Savini ultimately explained that they did that is they created a, a dummy body, a dummy neck, and Kevin Bacon's head was pushed up through a hole. Then they, you know, hid the seam and used that necklace to kind of. So when you go from the shot where it's his actual body, he's wearing the necklace to that shot, it's a little point that you distracts your eye. So just like saw the hand. So by leaving just that gold necklace there with a little sheen to it, it your brain is like, oh well, it's still the same neck, the same body, you know, because of that continuity. Gotcha. And, and then that, and he said, if you really, um, they when they pushed the arrow up, it actually is supposed to puncture like a blood sack of some sort, and the blood's supposed to spray up through it. Well. I guess it wasn't because they had to really kind of dig through to get the hole. That's why if you watch the arrow actually starts turning because they're underneath yeah, trying to get twists. the blood. Yeah, they're yeah. twisting it to get the blood to come oh. up through it. But it, of course, gives the impression that the killer's really trying to, you know. Just kind of wrenching yeah, it into him. Yeah, That's what he's yeah. doing. But it yeah. was totally because the effect wasn't working exactly as it was supposed to. <laughs> so, yes, I'd have to say that was probably the best overall. Especially it was on a good screen. one. And yeah. then if we can give away the final kill, which wasn't really a kill, um, which was... Uh, oh, yeah, she's sitting in the boat. Yes, and, the whole and, thing and... is that she has uh, seemingly survived the entire ordeal. And when we say she, we're talking about Alice, right? Who's the yes. the, the final surviving victim, spoiler, um, of this. And, and so she defeats Mrs. Voorhees, and she gets on a canoe, because that's where I'd go when I'm escaping... Bad guy is on a canoe, flimsy yes. little aluminum canoe out in the lake. What? Uh, uh, yeah, whatever. So she she gets in the canoe after she's killed Miss Voorhees, and she goes floats in the middle, and then she sleeps there. You know, the the idea is it's her first rest. She's finally getting some sleep after all this terrible, terrible nightmare that she's lived through. And we hear this and the music, next morning, Jason, this music that's playing. <laughs> yes. Keep talking. I'm almost there. <laughs> I'll just say it now. I find this music to be creepy. <laughs> I don't know what it is about it, but I think it's all the, the that wow. It's just something about the freaking music creeps me out. It wasn't as creepy as I remember it. Really? Like when I rewatched it, I definitely know that. Which is the voice kind of breath, yeah. the breath, which is cool and it's unique. But it wasn't okay, as scary as I remembered it. Yeah, it wasn't as scary as I remembered it being. And so as that's playing, you know, she jumps out into the lake and she falls asleep. And then, of course, the next morning, the police all come and they're like, oh, what's going on here? Oh, oh, is that Alice? You okay?" And she kind of wakes up out in the middle of this lake. And this is the one scene that I remember from my childhood watching this is, of course, as the first she movie gets up that in made you poop your pants. <laughs> I, I, I may have weed a little. I may have weed. <laughs> A little. Did you shard? I may have sharded. Um, when, of course, she sits up in the canoe and she's like, oh, I'm here. And then, of course, this moldy, waterlogged little boy who is Jason Voorhees jumps up, grabs her by the neck, drags her down into the water from the canoe. And, oh, yes, it was a nightmare. So 
Yes, played by <laughs> Ari Lehman was the uh, yes. was the actor that played the the part. Yeah, it, it's funny watching because I've you expect it once you've seen it, but it's still yeah, it's pretty creepy and it's it pretty, is yeah. And that was actually uh, the probably the most uh, I would say probably the most iconic kill of the entire film, although it wasn't well, actually a yeah, kill. Yeah, she turns out she's dreaming, but that then I, I like that they leave it vague like that. I like that the end, you know, then he's still there. Yeah, and she's in a psycho ward, and they're giving her drugs. So yeah, but but that was actually a really good point of the movie because I think that's what set up the whole franchise. Yeah. If that hadn't happened, that one little scene, that's which true. was really the only scene that Jason was in, because oh, you see him like in a flashback when she's when the mom when Mrs. Voorhees is explaining about him dying. You see the kids kind of going in and out of the water as he's so correct. That's about. But that's in a flashback, it. he's not in the current day, and then yeah. you know you have her recreating his voice when she's like, "Kill him, mommy!" But not that could have been recreating. She's possessed. But go ahead. But no, but that could have been played off as that was just her being crazy. But the fact that they added him at the end as an actual mm-hmm. element. Mm-hmm. I think that one kill was what launched and made possible the rest of the franchise. And because now gives they're like complete credence to my argument that she was in fact possessed by the same evil that after she was beheaded went to him. Oh bullcrap! You have no idea. She didn't touch any part of him that you well, saw. No, there no, was nothing oh, that she. Oh, you have to see her touch him. What the hell is that? Oh, you, okay. Well, wait a second. You had to see that that uh, uh, the the. No. Mortician eats his heart. No, that's the, the, a the, that's a clear the, contact. The, 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 she has no clear contact. The that you know of, maybe her. Oh, oh, I, oh, okay, I got no. I know. I, I, I oh, wait, clear contact. Ready? Ready? She was beheaded on the lakefront property, right by the water. She fell in. <laughs> her freaking blood leaked into the water. Her his body is out there. It whatever the little de- demon DNA was, it crawled its ass to his moldy ass body and possessed him. Okay, good. Then you as a filmmaker need to explain that or at least put some kind um, of physical Retired filmmaker, there. and no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like things explained. Have we figured that out yet? No, but I explained, but you have to at least give some visuals. Does so, your daughter like it? She actually really liked it, and I assume because it scared her to, so much that she went in and woke up her older sister and says, hey, can you wake up and go to sleep with me? So <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That actually, that actually makes me a little weepy. It was it was actually very awesome. So it gives me a little hope for the future. Kids can still be scared by Brian Thirteen. Yeah, I remember it scared the crap like out of like, so. Oh, that's good. Good kid has good taste. Just like her old man, except for when he doesn't. So, <laughs> but, but yeah, it's funny because I remember being a kid, man. You'd see these and like you'd go camping or hang out with your friends. They had like a really wooded area behind their house, and I remember just being like, you just know. You just know something's going to be around. Oh, God. That feeling. Oh, dark woods. Why am I so dead inside now? I don't feel that anymore. That kind of sucks. Go camping. Then it'll come out. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Well, like I said, I'm going to open up a a business Mm -hmm. that I take people out to watch movies like this. Mm -hmm. Either out in the environment that they take place. Yes. Like either out in a cabin in the woods Mm. or out on a boat on the river. Marathon. Yes. And make them watch the film where it happened, and see if that doesn't invoke uh, sharting. <laughs> <laughs> just, a, just a hero sharting. <laughs> so, Jay, on that note, would you like to uh, get into our movie picks? Oh, yes, please.
All right, man, you're up. What you got? <laughs> so for this one, because we did talk about how much the music, or at least a little bit of how much the music in this was a factor, because I think that the music was iconic. It has survived for decades as uh, kind of a, a standard for horror movies. I went with the original producer of the music, or original composer of the music, Henry or Harry uh, Manfredini. Uh, is my connection. Nice and, choice. Uh, yes, Harry, Harry has done some fantastic things. He's actually um, done music for some amazing films and uh, most of the uh, Friday the 13th movies, um, but he's also done um, some really, really cool stuff throughout the years. But one of the ones that I chose, and I think I picked this at like episode seven-ish, but I thought it was worth uh, talking about again, which is Swamp Thing, from 1982. Yes. Um, which uh, stars Louis Jordan as uh, the, the Swamp Thing and Adrian Barbeau, who we've talked about many times. And I swear. Now, who's she? If I get nobody else on this show to be a guest, I swear to God, I've got to get her on here. She is fantastic. But in this one, she plays basically the love interest of a scientist who. Uh, through some experiments is accidentally turned into a plant like swamp creature um, whose nemesis is Dr. Alec Holland played by Ray Wise. Now Ray Wise was in a TV show. I know that. I, do you know what it was? Yep. Guess what it was it? Twin Peaks. Yeah. Oh, no, he was on Twin Peaks. He was Laura Palmer's dad. Eh, pfft, all right, whatever. <laughs> um, no, the more, the better, TV show that he was in. He was actually in a TV show that you and I have talked about that you have not seen, but I've watched, which is called Reaper. And it's mm. from 2007. So all you Twin Peak uh, cultist fans out there, please uh, send your hate mail he to is. Jason at ForgottenFlix.com. And um, he plays the devil. And the main character in that series was, I guess, somehow his property, his kid sort of thing. So he was half devil and he... Um, has a couple of you know friends that are these, these funny guys, including um, Tyler Labine, who is absolutely hilarious in this. He's the best part about this. Um, his name is Sock, but Ray Wise plays his dad, sort of the devil, and is very very funny. So, so really, what this boils down to, your pick really wasn't Swap <laughs> Thing. Swap Thing was plays, a backdoor to make Reaper um, your pick. The guy or? that turns into a werewolf sort of creature in Swamp Thing, like he's trying to replicate the formula. Um, that that uh, uh, Dr. Arcane invents and becomes this Swamp Thing creature, and he's trying to replicate that, and he becomes this kind of odd werewolf-type creature, and then he's trying to gain Adrian Barbeau. And, um, uh, but it's a fantastic kind of cheesy flick, but it's actually well-written and well-shot uh, compared to any of the sequels of Swamp Thing, and even really compared to the, the comic book, which I wasn't a big fan of. But um, the movie was pretty good. And, and as course, I said, Harry and- Manfredini did the music for it, which was fantastic. Um, it was directed by Wes Craven. Uh, yep, by absolutely. Wes Craven. Yep. So we've talked about him in the past as being another horror icon, mm-hmm. even though this one really isn't a horror flick. It's more of a campy creature feature, but uh, still a good one. So 1982, The Swamp Thing. Okay, let me lecture <laughs> Yes. So all that being said, <laughs> that was your pick, and it was a grand one, my friend. My uh, pick, however, <laughs> oh, my pick. <laughs> Well, originally... Going highbrow I'm now. going highbrow. <laughs> yes, originally my, my little esoteric, I'm going to be an 
ultimate cinema nerd, uh, was going to, in fact, be Bay of Blood, a.k.a. Twitch of the Death Nerve by Mario Bava. Um, I will add it as a check it out anyway, even though it's not my official pick. So, Extras. Yeah, yeah check, sure. check, check it out. Check it out. You'll see lots of, if you're especially you're a Friday Day fan, you've never seen it, you will see some of the influence um, on on that uh, eventual motion picture <laughs> terror thing. So, yes, my pick, though, because I just had to, and I don't care, because it's my personal favorite, and this may be C&D talking, I don't give a damn, it's my personal favorite of the Friday the 13th series. I picked Friday the 13th Part 6, also known as Jason Lives, Friday the 13th Part 6. <laughs> this is the picture where Jason, I've heard argued, officially, regardless of how you feel about anything in, in the mythos, officially goes from being crazy mongoloid type psycho killer just but that's it to actual dead guy reanimated psycho mongoloid zombie yes this is the this is where his zombiness begins yes because prior to that spoiler alert part five it's not him and believe me we all pay for it because five sucks (laughs) i would rather watch jason takes manhattan than five (laughs) Because at least that's or like, Jason X in space. Well, actually, you know, I actually kind of like that. You'd like? Have you seen that one? Uh, I, I think, don't you, think so. you would love that, dude. That is that's got sci-fi cheese. Take Friday Thirteenth and mix it with your favorite sci-fi movies. That's that movie. You'd love it. Really? It's entertaining. It's very entertaining. Yeah. All right, I can take that. Okay. I can take that. Yes, and so so uh, yeah, six is my personal favorite. It's got uh, Tom Matthews who uh, would star in. He started Return of the Living Dead and Return of the Living Dead Part Two. He was one mm-hmm. of the. Do you remember the two guys in that who get exposed to the chemical and they're like gradually yeah. dying? The old guy, oh, the yeah, yeah, guy? he's yeah, the young yeah. guy. Well, he plays oh, okay. Tommy Jarvis, who was originally played by Corey Feldman uh, in Part Four, who's the kid who's known, quote unquote, as the one who actually killed Jason. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and that was Corey Feldman. Well, in the in Part Six, Tommy Jarvis is played by Tom Matthews, and mm-hmm. he and Ron Palillo, aka. Horshack from Mr. Carter. Oh, 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 that guy? Yeah, together they go. Um, uh, Tommy's fresh out of the nut house. I'm sorry. That was politically incorrect. The, what would be the, I was going to say an insane asylum. I was like, ooh, nope, still politically incorrect. Uh, the uh, mental rehabilitation facility. Yes, that one. Ish. Yes. <laughs> the, the halfway house for the crazy train. And yes, he and, he and, he and Horshack get in their truck. And, and yeah, they're going. Oh, 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 Mister Cartier! They're going. This is getting crazy. Up your nose with a rubber hose. So <laughs> they're going out to this cemetery to make sure. Right, get, follow this logic. Make sure Jason's dead once and for all. <laughs> okay. Even though Tommy went through the previous movie, now played by a different actor, where he fought and killed some guy who thought he was going to be like Jason and wasn't Jason, and there's no evidence of Jason being back. But so here's his thought. He's going to dig Jason's body up, okay? And, and make sure it's dead. Once and for all. Once and for all. Because <laughs> the very fact that you have to dig it up should tell you you might want to just leave it there. Yeah, leave it there. So anyway, they... Yes, they dig it up. It's all crusty and papery and gross, and there's maggots crawling around the eyeball and stuff. <laughs> Although, interestingly, when, when he actually does come back to life, his eye actually opens up and it's like perfectly intact. Like, hasn't been gnawed on at all. Figure that out. Not even. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, but, so what ends up happening is they, you know, I'm a little spoiler alert. It's like the first few minutes of the movie. So they dig him up. They, uh, Tommy can't take what he's seeing. He takes a giant metal pole and starts like stabbing Jason's body while a thunderstorm is gathering. 
Do you see where this is going? Uh -huh. Giant it. metal pole. Could that be 1.21 gigawatts? <laughs> Indeed. And 1.21 gigawatts <laughs> goes directly into Jason. So Tommy's <laughs> little plan in an ironic twist <laughs> backfires. backfires. Who would have guessed that? Who'd have thunk it? <laughs> but yes, this one is actually uh, directed by um, Tom, um, Tom McLaughlin. And he really hadn't done a whole lot prior to this. Uh, he did a, one movie that I'm going to have to cheat momentarily, ladies and gentlemen, because I I want to say one. Oh, wait a second. What? Tom Laughlin? Mick. He did Date with an Angel. Did he do Date with an Angel? Yeah, with he did. With Cates. Yeah, that's right. You did. Gremlins fame. Yeah, One Dark Night was the movie I was thinking of. It was sort of his oh. low-budge horror flick he did prior to this, and that's what kind of got him this gig. He'd done it a few years prior. And, oh. yeah, he... What, what but I Michael like, Knight was the the main character in uh, uh, Date with an Angel, just in case you're wondering. I wasn't, but I vaguely remember that movie. And I'm pretty <laughs> confident my brain has been trying to keep it out of my... <laughs> a, along with, uh, what was the... Uh, was it called Stud? Do you remember that one? Oh. It was like a homoerotic romantic <laughs> comedy nightmare. It was just yes, god-awful. Yeah. There's a handful of movies but that are in Date my... Date with an Angel had Emmanuel Baert. It was the angel. You know, it was the angel. Oh, that came back yeah. Again, again, again. My brain has been trying to you know, push that one bit. out. Yeah. Dude, she's hotty, man. Okay. Gotta, okay. Gotta All right. I trust you. Tom McLaughlin. Back yes, to you. Yes, Tom McLaughlin. And so he directed it. And if, one of the commentaries that I, I heard him do uh, for part six is he talked about, and he, you could definitely see that he really was trying to make this movie more like a kind of like a gothic kind of classic horror movie. And it shows. Right. And this one has more of a sense of humor. It's It's kind of got a scream vibe. It's like a little bit of self-awareness to it. Where, but it yeah. wasn't like completely over the top scary movie making fun of itself, where it just was stupid. Yeah. And it's got some pretty decent kills. Now, some people make the point that okay, by this one, it was starting. The MPA was starting to crack down. Actually, the MPA really cracked down starting with Part Seven. So this movie still has you know some pretty yeah. decent kills. I would argue this movie's gorier than like the first one. Now, two oh, definitely. and four. I think, I think four and five are probably maybe up there. Like maybe the four, maybe the ultimate. Like as far as the the gore factor goes. Um, but yeah, this one's pretty bloody, but it's, I don't know. This one's just got a different vibe to it. And maybe I like the fact that Jason's more of a zombie in this. Um, yeah. he's more, he's more Un of a presence. Well, and, and, and I think this is one of the things, this, this is the one thing I wanted to bring up about the Friday the 13th franchise. Um, but also why this and Nightmare and Halloween were so successful as franchises was that there really was that supernatural unkillable aspect to the main character. I mean, mm -hmm. in, in, in this original 1980 Friday the 13th, you didn't really have that supernatural feeling except for the, the, the very, very end where you have that kind of nightmare maybe. But mm -hmm. really it starts with Friday the 13th Part 2. You have this the, – the main villain or the main antagonist in this is really unstoppable. And each sequel is really just a reiteration of how else can this not end? How else can this unstoppable force come mm -hmm. back and some mortal think that they've done something to stop them? So mm -hmm. it's the same thing with the Halloween franchise, same thing with Freddy and Nightmare on Elm Street, same thing with Jason in, in uh, uh, the whole Friday 13th is they are really this unstoppable force. And I think that's what made them scary, and that's, I think, what made this franchise, all of these franchises, so successful is that uh, people kept going back because you can't do anything to these guys even yeah. uh each movie tried to do something different tried to have a different spin on it and different approach to why they were the way they are or what what the character was going to do but that's what made these uh the all of those those three which i consider some of the biggest uh horror franchises of of all time oh yeah um 
really was that whole supernatural, you can't stop them, but we're going to keep trying each time to do something to get rid of them. And, and this was the first of the, okay, we're going to admit he's undead. Mm-hmm. So, well, yeah, definitely, and and I think that yeah. yeah, up to that point, you could make kind of arguments. Well, maybe it didn't quite hit his. Maybe brain they didn't or, kill him. Uh-huh. Yeah, right. But right. this one, by this one, he was a rotting corpse. So, yeah, yes. I, I like that aspect <laughs> of it. I feel like this one was more fun. Some of the early yeah. Friday Thirteenth movies, I think, take themselves a little too serious. This one was mm-hmm. more, like I said, it wasn't goofing on itself, but it was definitely had more of I don't know a fun sensibility and a. And a real sense of you had a, a more defined hero character with Tommy yeah. Jarvis trying to stop Jason directly, uh, right. kind of mano a mano. There's some really cool moments. Uh, there's a not to, you know mild spoiler alert, but Jason's at the camp. Well, this time the camp's actually open with kids in it. This is also I think the yes. first time they ever did that. Little kids, and there's this yeah. whole moment where there's this cute little blonde girl, somewhat reminiscent of uh, uh, Carol Ann uh, from Poltergeist, yes. Guys, has a similar look <laughs> and the straight blonde mm-hmm, hair. Yeah, and, real yep, cute yep. as a button. And there's this <laughs> moment where. Um, you know, Jason is walking through and like he's looking down at all these kids and you're like, oh, they aren't going to go there, are they? And he, he leaves because it's like he's it's like he almost like at that moment they gave the character this weird kind of like honor code. Like, yeah, yeah, I'll kill the kind of sleazy, you know, sexing, oversexed, yeah. drug addicted teenagers. Yeah, sure. No problem. But while they're still kind of innocent, I'll let them go. You know, it was like he just killed anything just to kill. There was no pleasure in his killing. It, it literally had like, I mean, you can get into the whole debate of the the sort of moral imperative aspect of it, but. Well, and that's exactly how when, when I started watching this uh, and a couple other of the horror movies, including Black Christmas with my, with my teenagers, we talked about the whole, the, one of the reasons that these movies work is because of the morality tale that's involved yeah. and if you look at classic classic grim i mean a lot of the fairy yeah. tales i mean there's a definite morality tale aspect to them yeah well and the, and the idea that as you as a viewer or even a reader if you want to go further back if you felt that the person wasn't justified in dying in some way you felt incensed you felt upset mm-hmm. that it was it, that it was happening to them and so as we watched some of these first horror films i said okay now can you pick out who's doing something wrong <laughs> And guess what? They're probably going to be the ones well, to bite. But so. <laughs> Alice, Alice was uh, participating in the wacky weed. She wasn't Miss Innocent. Uh, yeah, she she kind of was. Yeah, she kind of was, and and she wasn't completely clean. But you, as you know, we need one person to be the teller of the tale. You're, of course. So she was the least evil, I guess. Well, I don't the, think it, I, I would definitely wouldn't. Not evil, but the least uh, of soiled. The, yes, the ones who. Um, didn't you know? Did stuff wrong because you had Kevin Bacon and his girlfriend were actually knocking the boots. Yeah. You know, you had uh, the kind of the douchebag. I know how you say it. She's the place. least likely to need a penicillin injection. <laughs> She's the least likely to have cold sores <laughs> yeah. on her mouth. Oh, so. <laughs> whoa! Which is why she was popular. Oh yeah. Hello. By the way, when I add this in, Estelle Parsons. That is the name of the actress that played Roseanne's mom. That was the original. Ah, to be the person. Yes. Very good. Yeah. <laughs> so, Jay, any final commentary notes? Any, any <sighs> con- uh, maybe I don't know some uh, where they can find us, where they should go, where they, where the, where the happening things are. God, I guess if you really have listened this far into the show, yeah, you should. God, what the hell is wrong with you? Or what the hell is wrong with us that we managed to do almost an hour and a half of Friday the freaking thirteenth? 
<laughs> Got to go on for another hour at least. Um, yes, check us out by all means. There's much, much more content at ForgottenFlix.com, and that's Flix with an X. So uh, check us out. We've got reviews of movies on there. We've got other commentary. And if Joel ever gets his ass in gear, then maybe <laughs> we'll have an ebook up there. Maybe. And maybe it'll maybe. be free. <laughs> and maybe. So keep checking for that. Um, but also check us out. We are on Facebook. We've got the Facebook group of uh, podcast listeners. We talk about all kinds of shenanigans, things we're doing with the show, movies that are coming up, movies that we're actually watching but maybe not talking about on the show. Uh, you can also check out the podcast page, the fan page on Facebook, and you can actually listen to the show directly from Facebook without even leaving the comfort of your Zuckerberg, Zuckerberg blanket. Uh, say that three um, and we are also on Twitter, so you can check me on Twitter at Flix Sidekick, Sidekick Two, at Forgotten Flix on Twitter, and you can see some of the things that we're talking about on there um, as well. And if you need to email us for some reason, you think that something we said was wrong, which we have yet to happen on the show yet, and what? Well, you mean that one of our two fans to take the time to email us to tell us we were wrong? Yeah, they just assume well, we know it. No, no, I'm talking about the fact that we were wrong at all. That never happened. Yeah. Um, you can wise. email us. Please do at Joel at Forgotten Flicks or Jason at Forgotten Flicks uh, dot uh, communist. And, I mean, what? Com- com. That's a secret. <laughs> Put your card away. I don't know why I turned German when I when you said that. Um, <laughs> it's my only accent. Well, we know I have more. So, yes. And of course, thank you. Is is always due our, our buddies yes, JV please. for the at jvmail.com for the fantastic spoiler alerts, and which he has done for the better part of mm. fifty episodes or yeah. so. He's so. been he's been a, an active participant. So we really appreciate that, and he's yep. good to have him. And then of course, always thanks to our buddy Kevin Spencer, inkspatters.com. Kevin is the man who gives us the fantastic show art every freaking week, uh, despite occasional schedule uh, miscommunications <laughs> so thank you to him for that and yes and you can actually check out some of his live artwork coming up in cherry hill new jersey at monster mania in just uh, several weeks he's going to be there with some of his uh, original work as well as some of his cool prints mm-hmm. um, he does much much more than just our show art and he's an incredible artist so yep you have to check be him out support him in all jersey area yep check him out which by the way new jersey where the chef ride the 13th and where it takes place. And interesting note, apparently there is a Voorhees, New Jersey, as well as Haddon... <laughs> wait, 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 wait. It's, it's only about eight miles away from Haddonfield, New Jersey, which in fact is the Haddonfield that inspired Haddonfield in Halloween. And there is a sign somewhere. I, I couldn't find the image. I probably should try and find it, put it on the uh, post, where there is a, you know, like kind of a, you know, you're this many miles away from this town where Voorhees is posted right above Haddonfield. How awesome is that? <laughs> so what you're saying is New Jersey is quite literally the horror capital of the world. It might be. I mean, hell, it's got Kevin Spencer there, so. <laughs> Transylvania. Kiss my ass. It's yeah. New mm-hmm. Jersey. Exactly. <laughs> is there any final words, my friend? Killer, mommy, killer. I don't know why I sound like my balls haven't dropped yet, (laughs) but they haven't.